We've got two incredible speakers. Esther and Ernie is going to be speaking to us. I've known Ernie all my life. She was the first arms that opened 23 years ago when my family came here with six suitcases. We met Ernie and she's been such a gift and a blessing. And Esther, Pastor Josh's wife, they are loving and pastoring and serving this beautiful body of believers so well. And I've seen Esther grow with such weighted stature. Uh, you know, there is something that only God can give you. And when that moment happens, I'm always so thankful because I know the journey that led to that. So I, I'm so excited and they're going to come share out of their personal life, what keeps them going? What is the principle that when things don't work out, they want to say, let me tell you what I'm holding on to. Because God honors our prized faith more than anything. Now, they don't preach every weekend. You can make them preach much better by shouting amen. By, if you agree, you say amen. If you disagree, you say amen, amen, and amen. You just cheer them on and bring the best speaking out of them. Esther, I honor you. Welcome to the stage. Can you just welcome Esther? So our family just joined the Y, and Josh is still working out with Dr. Rob, but um, I figured out that classes are a little better suited for me because I grew up taking dance. I minored in dance in college. And so my first bar class, I walked in a couple weeks ago, and there's this, you know, fierce-looking instructor, but she's like, she's kind. And she says, grab some weights. So I put my yoga mat down, go grab some weights. And the options are one pound, two pounds, and three pounds. I'm like, mm, okay, I look around, and there's a lot of senior citizens in the class, and I'm like, well, I pick up kids, you know, all my, my kids all the time. So I grab the threes. Well, halfway through the song, when you're holding the weight out the entire time while doing other stuff with the other arm, I was like, I'm going to die. This, this is like, this is horrible. How, how am I going to do this? And I'm commiserating with my new friend, Kathy, who's like my mom's age and doing great in the class. But the next class, I knew not to grab the heaviest weight and to grab the one-pounders, which still, I, I'm getting better. Um, but part of life is knowing which weights to grab and which weights not to. And for some reason in our culture, we celebrate those who carry the most weight and those who have busy and chaotic lives, lives with big, drastic changes. But it takes work to, to remain grounded and steadfast and not get caught up in it all. But we so easily do. So this is not a new concept. In fact, the words that first came to mind when I was asked, how do you stay steadfast? They were penned by Robert Robinson in his early 20s and later put to music as the old hymn titled, Come Thou Fount. You know where it says, like, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, right? Prone to leave the God I love. 
It's the human condition that's prone to wander. Like you feel it every time life is difficult, when you fill your schedule and church gets pushed aside, when you're dealing with the same emotions over and over again, when you're having the same disagreement with somebody you love. And the older I get, the more I want to be surrounded by steadfast people. Now, this is not a magic formula, but my mind works in practicalities. And in my experience, being steadfast begins in our heart with our priorities, motivations, and boundaries. So I'm going to pull from the book of Daniel. We need to set the stage. So there's the country of Israel. It gets conquered by Babylon. The king requests all the young men who are without physical defect, handsome, well-informed, quick to learn, who qualified to serve, they are taken captive. Daniel is one of those guys. So he's, he's forced to go from Jerusalem to Babylon, and he's given a new name, placed in three years of schooling with a new language, a new culture, yet you see his priority to honor God right at the very beginning. In chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he worked with the guard to be able to solely eat vegetables and water, and he and his friends ended up healthier and better nourished. Those three words, for he resolved. It makes me wonder what that 500-mile journey would have been like. Like, that's like from here to, like, Richmond, Virginia, walking. Did he rehearse, like, the words that his mom maybe yelled after him as he's being taken away? Did he speak the words of David in Psalm 5110 where it's like, God created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We know that Daniel didn't say, well, I've been captured, ripped from my house, so I'm leaving my faith back there. And I don't know what you are walking through, but at some point there needs to be a resolve that happens in your heart as it did in Daniel. Because if your faith is based on an experience, whether good and bad. I have learned that an experience can get you in and an experience can get you out if you are not securely anchored in Jesus Christ. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And God gave Daniel wisdom and knowledge and understanding of literature and learning, and he could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. All right, so what does this look like? For me, it's personal time and people time. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Very easily said, not easily done. But your personal time. Can I encourage you? Read your Bible. Don't rely on the people who are up here who are serving you. I mean, it's nice to be at a restaurant and be served, but at some point you need to learn how to cook your own meals. There's prayer. Prayer is just having a conversation with God. There's journaling. I'm, I 
recently was looking at old journals and realizing that that laid the foundation for this intense decade of motherhood that I've been in because I don't really have time to journal right now. Memorize scripture. I think we think this is really difficult, but I choose verses for the kids and I to memorize each school year, and then we repeat them on the way to school. And then by the end of the year, they're like, Mom, you need some new verses. But the word of God lays the foundation and creates a deep well that will sustain you. And this is an active journey. So you've got personal time and you've got people time. It's difficult to be a steadfast person when you don't love people. When we live our lives from comparison, like, oh, they're picking up that weight, so I better too. It ends up being chaotic living. So who's in your community? Who are you serving? Who are the people that you can truly be honest with? Because remaining steadfast in a culture of compromise is much easier when you have the foundational priorities of loving God and loving people. All right, next, motivations. Motivations reveal your priorities, and they're shown up each time you're tested. Let's look at Daniel. So he's in the position with two different kings to bring wisdom, and he's given the opportunity to take the glory for himself. And he says, no wise man or enchanter or magician can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He also says, you can keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. When tested, do you take the glory for yourself? I know I have. And then I'm wondering, okay, who am I serving? Because people make mistakes. Daniel served under four kings. One of them literally went insane eating grass like an animal for seven years. And you thought some of the leaders that you served under were bad. But I've had all the motivations. I'll just say some of the negative ones so you don't have to. Um, These are ones I've experienced. Thinking I'm the best, thinking I'm the worst, wanting to be seen, why him, why her, just wanting to get ahead, just wanting something from God like a promotion, a baby, a breakthrough. And then, so I spend time in my Bible, and then as soon as I get it, that time no longer matters. Or thinking that the closer I get to the top, the more important I am, only to realize when you get there, it has nothing to do with importance. There's just a different weightiness there. All of these things are rooted in pride and selfishness, and it's good to have goals, but we need to be honest with ourselves that there's no such thing as a rival. Daniel was motivated by his submission to God, and he was able to sacrifice his own glory in order to honor God. When you are motivated by deep love and affection for who God is, the illusion of success will not be able to blind you. So who are you serving? we got priorities, motivations, boundaries. Daniel had boundaries that protected his priorities. So we know the famous lion's den story where men in leadership try to trap Daniel, 
but they couldn't find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. So they said, okay, we'll attack his God. And Daniel's response is that three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. You see, this is the third king that Daniel has served under, and he was committed to his excellence, learned the culture, mastered the language, ran the economy, but he never forgot his roots. And Daniel's name means God is my judge. He was not swayed by the drama of leadership or the people and the culture that were trying to get him off course. So what are your boundaries and how do they reflect your priorities? So having good boundaries guide wise decision making. Like what's realistic? Look at your calendar. I've seen it so many times, and I'm going to use we because I've done this too. When we're full of fire and we're like, I'll be there every week. I will be your friend forever. And then you start to feel like I'm amazing and I'm irreplaceable. And then you start to get burned out and then you blame the job. You blame the church. You blame your family. You blame your friends And I'm not saying that these examples are without fault of any kind, but let me tell you that your employer, your friends, your church, your family will not say your no is for you. And if you are serious about protecting the priorities as a follower of God and you're honest with your motivations, then establish the boundaries necessary so that you can be in this relationship with God for the long haul. It's hard work, but it is worth it. Come on now. From personal experience, there's such a disarmament that comes, a humility that comes when you can be involved and when you can cheer other people on. It gives a peek into the jealousy you might have in your heart, the critical spirit, and it makes your heart healthy. Now, here is where the storybooks get it wrong, or at least the ones that I have seen. They paint Daniel in the lion's den as this, like, young, handsome guy standing there. I bet you he was still handsome, but did you know that Daniel was 80 years old at this point? And if you are older in this room, do you know that your ability to stay steadfast is a testimony to God's people? I, I think of the stability of growing up and walking into the living room and seeing my dad sit in the blue armchair with his Bible, his composition notebook, reading his Bible every morning, not flashy, but steadfast. I think of some of the volunteers in this church who have been here for years and they recognize that they don't serve a leader who may or may not have it together, but they are serving a God and allowing their value to come from that rather than words and people. So can we be a people and a church who are steadfast, who prioritize personal time with God, though we are prone to wander, 
who can prioritize building up and loving the people that are around you, who can check in with the motivations that are driving us and truly be honest with yourself and with God about them, and who can create boundaries to protect what God has called you to. And if we can, as a church, we say, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, but here's my heart. Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Wasn't that? Am I on? Yes, I'm on. Um, How many of you all have allergies? And you know what's in my throat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Excuse me. But I don't let that kind of stuff deter me. I have decided to follow Jesus. All right? You're probably saying, Ernie, where are your notes? Where are your notes? Where are your notes? A man who shall be nameless He's married to Marlies. He said the notes are hindering you. So because I love him and I do obey. Here we go, boys and girls, <laughs> children of all ages. I think I am officially the oldest person to ever stand up here. <laughs> no applause. <laughs> I, I have been um, a child of God, born again, saved, a believer. Since I was in my late teens, I have been saved over 50 years. That's why I've been chosen for this. I, um, when I was younger, I grew up in a home that was not perfect. There was some abuse. There was some neglect. Um, my brother was an orange. I was an overripe peach. I was sensitive. Everything hurt me. Everybody hurt me. And I went to school, and I always walked around like this with my books folded across me, my shoulder against the wall, because I was afraid of everybody and of everything. And after I gave my heart to the Lord, he he started talking to me um, about being sensitive. And this is not for everyone who's sensitive. This is me telling you what he said to me. Don't get mad. (laughs) But what he said was, Sensitive people always spend their time thinking about themselves, Ernestine. They always spend their time thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about other people, what they need, what they're going through. So let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Like like Elsa said, just let it go. Get over it. Move along. If you're going to grow and be in me, you're going to have to let some things grow. Go. And... One of the most wonderful things 
um, when he freed my heart from that was that I literally became a different person. I mean that in every sense of the word, a different person. I was more outgoing. I was smiling all the time, happy to see people, happy to be away, happy to travel, happy to be um, who the Lord was, was changing me to be. And the most wonderful thing was is that I belonged to a little church, and those of us who were young, we sat on the back row, and we were trying not to give our hearts to the Lord. That's why we sat together. <laughs> Just telling y'all the truth, people. <laughs> we were really trying not to get saved because it ruined all of our fun. But we loved the part where we came to church. And my church was so little. Anybody's old enough to remember, there was always a corner store in the hood. And, and at, between Sunday school and service, you ran across the street to the corner store and you bought something to drink or a snack. All you had to have was a dime. That's how old I am. But um, so we were trying our best not to give our hearts to the Lord. And we had a wonderful pastor who was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and his feet were the size of I don't know what. And he'd stand there at the end of service at altar call and he'd start stomping his feet so the musician would know what to play. And he'd say, this may be the last time this may be the last time this may be the last time may be the last time i don't know well it may be the last time i prayed for you may be the last time i don't know and it just went on it just went on so we sit there and we start feeling convicted but then we bow our heads down and eat a piece of candy and we'd be right over that thing. You know. It wasn't until I got older, um, uh, out of high school, that um, the Lord just won me over. It's like this is, there was something that was in me that when he, I heard his voice and it's like, okay, I'm going to do it. So three of us got saved together at the same time, three of us girls. And I remember waking up the next day, and I did not feel saved. Whatever happened on Sunday was gone. I did not feel saved. I did not look saved. And they said I'd have a new walk, and I'd have a new talk. None of that happened to me. So I'm thinking, I may, I may need to go back next Sunday and, and do this thing all over again and get it right, right? And, it, and, it, and it's like, and then someone said to me, no, honey, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a choice. You choose to be saved. You choose to be saved. You wake up, you make that choice, and then one day it never occurred to me that I was not saved, that I was saved all the time. There's, there's this song uh, that wasn't back then, but it's a, a new one. Um, and um, the song goes, I'm my best day, I'm a child of God. I'm my worst day, I'm a child of God. Every day, every day, every day. Because he's yours, because he belongs to me, I am a child of God. So I put together four things. We're going to see how I remember them without my notes, but um, fortunately, Esther has covered some of them, 
so I, I won't have to do all of them. But there were four areas that I feel like that has sustained me um, that I want to share with you. They are my testimony. They are my life. They are what I do to stay saved, to stay steadfast in the Lord, to keep that decision I made. Because, and, and believe me when I say this, over the years, I have sinned. We don't like to use that word anymore, but I have sinned. <laughs> I have sinned. I lived like I didn't know the Lord, but I did know the Lord. I, I did things that I'm totally ashamed of that I am not going to repeat this morning. <laughs> but there's a place where it took me a long time God forgave me because I know his word. I know he forgave me. He forgave me. But me forgiving myself was harder. And you know what? The day I was able to start letting it go was when I realized who was condemning me with that gift. Convicting me over and over, over and over. And, and it's like, oh, right, right, right. 12-1, Romans. Now. Therefore, no condemnation. Amen? So free yourself. Let yourself go for anybody who's thinking about guilt. I didn't say that at first service, so bless you, whoever you are. Let it go. Sincerely, let it go. God has let it go. You're the one who keeps bringing it up. You let the enemy come in with a limp foot telling you what you need to be thinking about, what you need. You wake up and listen, even now, he tries to wake me up in the morning with something so old and stupid. What is that about? No. And some of y'all don't like to say things out loud. Got to get over that. Say no. That's a lie. I'm a child of God. You're not going to beat me with that anymore. <clears throat> so as I went on this journey, the Lord just started revealing his word. And, and, and I thought, wow, everybody needs to know this. And then I realized everybody didn't want to know that. But the word, the word, the word of God and as Esther said, um, you come here and you're served. But Jesus didn't just die for Sunday. You're not supposed to serve him just on Sunday. You're not supposed to think about him just on Sunday. You're supposed to live a life so that if we wake you up at 3 in the morning, you are still saved. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. So this whole notion that I'm going to read the word when the pastor calls out a scripture and I see it on the screen. You, need to, you want to stay saved? You want to stay steadfast? Read your Bible. There are so many versions out now. You have no excuse. You actually have no excuse not to find a Bible that you can read. If you want a suggestion, come see me later. I promise I'll share it with you. But, but there's something so wonderful. When I read the word, and I used to do this thing where I'd read through the Bible in a year because that's what everybody was doing, and that's what they told you you should be doing. Now I don't care about that. That's it. <laughs> one of the benefits of getting older. I don't, I don't worry about reading through the Bible in a year. It's going to probably take me two years to get through the Old Testament. But you know what? As I read now, I read, I read something just a couple of weeks ago that was, it moved my heart. And I had read it, I don't know how many times. 
How is that possible that I could have read this thing 10, 15, 20, 100 times? But this time when I'm reading, the Lord says, hey, look at that. Look, look where that fits in your life. And I encourage you to read. I'm sorry, I encourage you to pray before you read so he can open the eyes of your heart so he can show you what you should be looking at. So you, you want to be moved when you read. You want to have something that you can apply to your life. And the only reason that you won't find that, maybe in the, the begats, those are kind of rough. The begats are kind of rough, I'll let it go. But, but the, what I'm trying to say is, read your Bible, um, learn to do it, find a way. I don't care if you only read a paragraph, a chapter each time, I just want to encourage you to find your way into the word because it will bless you. If you don't learn to apply the word to your life, then it's just words, it's nothing. But you need to understand the background of what you're reading, you need to understand um, the, the, the words themselves and then understand what is that application to me? What does that mean to me? What does that mean? How, how is that applying to my life today? And I promise you, you will find it if you just take that moment. And, and prayer is the other thing that is, Lord have mercy. The idea, you know, I, I've been saved 100 years. So the thing is, if you've only recently been saved or you've not been in a place where you've been in community, if you listen to me pray, especially when I get a roll on, um, you might think, oh my God, can that woman pray? I can't, I can't pray like that, so I'm not going to pray. Well, guess what? If you say, Lord bless pastor this week and his family, amen. Do you know which prayer God hears? Both of them. He doesn't count my long-windedness any more than he does your sentence prayer. So I encourage you, if you don't do anything but do sentence prayers, I've st that's where I actually started, just doing sentence prayers. Lord bless the church. Everything was blessed. <laughs> I didn't ask for anybody to be healed or anything. So, bless the church, bless pastor, bless my family. Amen. Um, so I wasn't very detailed, but um, there, there's this place where um, prayer is so important. And, and, and when you feel like you're in that place, take some time out. We've talked about meditation here. Um, I remember when I was way back there singing those sentence, saying those sentence prayers that um, um, I sat before the Lord quiet for him to speak to me about what I was doing wrong or right or whatever he wanted to say to me. And I was, well, I had to stop and get some paper because there was so much wrong. <laughs> I just had to get some paper. And Lord, help me. He, he, he caught me hardcore. He said, you've been lying to people. What? Ernie used to lie? Oh my gosh, I know you're shocked. You're shocked. But I had to write down the names of the people I had lied to and not just ask forgiveness. And then he said, you're going to love this. Go to the people you lied to and tell them you lied. I know. That was rough. So I, I started with um, a girl, my best girlfriend. And I said, um, hey, um, I lied to you about blah, 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 blah. Do you forgive me? She goes, yeah, well, I forgive you. I said, okay. So I tried to change the conversation. And she said, no, you literally have to tell me what you lied about. <laughs> what? She said, you have to say I lied about. 
Ay, ay, ay. I want to tell you, when you have to go to three or more people and tell them that, do you think I continue to lie? No. Learn, honey. When you, when, and it was like the word of God said, Ern, you know you can't do that. And read my, you know what my word says. You cannot get away with that. So, you know, you, you learn to move on and say, okay, it's better for me not to lie because I will be convicted of it and I'll have to say, D, remember when I said, you don't, you don't, you have to do it. If you, if it's in your heart, go and sh- go clean it out in Jesus name. Um, the last thing is, <clears throat> forgive me, forgive me. The last thing I want to talk to you about is community. Um, community that's. All of y'all, y'all community. Um, community is what you get when you come together. I personally, COVID was a horrible time for me. I did not like looking at pastor in his basement on a, on a screen. That did not cheer me. I, I love you, but it did not cheer me. When they opened the doors back up, I was one of the first people here. I didn't care if nobody was here but 10 people. I needed to be in church. But that's after many years of being saved and understand the value of community. There's, there's this place where community is the greatest thing in the world. We come together. I was standing back there listening to you all sing. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful uh, to hear that and how the music encourages our hearts and souls. That doesn't happen unless we're here. And I'll blame Josh for this. Um, Josh said... Back a couple of years ago, if you can go to Wegmans, you can come to church. <laughs> Josh said that. I jumped up and shouted, I think, when he said it, but I didn't originate that. That was Josh. I believe that it's wonderful for all you people at home and on screen now. If you can, find your way. Put a mask on. Put two masks on. Sit in a place where there's nobody else. Stand against a wall, but come to church. You will be blessed. Now, a lot of things I can say about community, um, especially in terms of how community builds you up. Um, When my mother died, I had gone through a phase where I had moved her and my Down syndrome brother into my home. And my life changed like there was no tomorrow. I was not in community very often. And when I did, I'd come and sit in the back and shoot out the door because I had so many commitments for him. And I was out of community in my mind. I mean, I came to church, but I was not in community. So for 10 years, I was out of community. And I was on the edge of it. I wasn't in the center of it, which is where, I used to, where I'm used to being. And it was a very difficult time in my life. So when my mom dies, um, I'm out of community. Some people know, most people didn't know. Um, When my brother dies, uh, two years ago, I was heavy into community. And the support that I got from you all, from so many of you, was overwhelming. From my small group, from my, my girls, from my friends, from pastor. I mean, that's the purpose of community. 
That's the wonderful thing about community, the support you can get when you, you don't even have to walk in the door. They stop by your house. They send you food. They do whatever they can do to bless you. Isn't that wonderful? Now let's talk about the other side real quick. I know my time is up, so I'm going to talk about it real quick. Um, I didn't get permission to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I talked about it first service. Gossip. Oh, I was just venting. Oh, I was just sharing. Oh, I wasn't even talking. I was just listening. No. It's all gossip. The minute it's spoken out loud, and you've had to share these things with 15 or 20 people, and they share it with 15 or 20 people. Do you know, if we decided right now we want to De- destroy somebody we can do it very quickly very quickly to the point where they will never want to come in these doors again we don't even have to make it huge we can just say oh not a good person not a good person let me tell you not a good person I saw this and then so and so and by the time that story gets done we have killed somebody I learned not to gossip in my old church um, because I saw what it did to people. I saw literally lives destroyed that I don't know if they ever regained or recovered because somebody was talking and they got all riled up about what was being said, believing everything they said was true. And it really doesn't matter if it's true or not. You shouldn't be talking about it. And that person left the church and didn't go to another church. They went home. And that was the end of it. So gossip destroys you, it destroys me, it destroys anyone you share it with. I can't tell you how I watch gossip. I watch small groups be completely obliterated because of gossip. People tolerated the group talking about the pastor, talking about what they didn't like in church, talking about somebody else in church, talking about, talking about, talking about, talking about. No. You know, when my group gets together, it's not my group. It's our group. (laughs) Um, We talk about the goodness of the Lord. We talk about that message on Sunday. Oh, my God, did that bless you or what? I mean, there's so many wonderful things to talk about. So-and-so, I think she needs some help. I think she needs some encouragement. Let's do this, 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 this. Let's do blah, 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 blah. And I'm not trying to make it seem like everything I'm saying is easy to do. It's hard to do. But the Lord gave me a formula. He said, enough of that. You can't be around these people. And that's the other thing. It's when you're around people who gossip, you have a choice. You either stay around them or you separate yourself. And sometimes that can be family. That can be friends. That can be family, that can be friends, that can be family, that can be friends. Over the years, I lost um, my family. Um, The church I was in divided, but we were a family who met every Sunday at my grandparents' house. So when we got together, our grandma and granddad's house, things really changed. It was tough for a while but we managed to go through it and never talked about our church or their church. It, it's, it's hard when you start, and I've lost a lot of people over the years because it's like, I can't do that. Really? No, I can't do that. 
My grandfather um, used to always say this little phrase, um, I know that 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 God is real and I'm serving him and I'm committed to him. Basically, he was saying, I know I'm a child of God. I know who I belong to. I am persuaded that he is able to keep me until that day. I am persuaded. I have not a doubt in my heart, but I want to encourage you. Please don't gossip. I know this is not a fun thing, but it's something you need to be told because it does kill. It kills you. It kills your church. I've seen it kill families because people talked about the church in front of their kids. The kids never want to come here. Y'all got to be more careful. If you need to say something, I've met people whose husbands don't want to come to church because they've heard all the gossip from you about the church. Why would they ever want to come? Why? All right, guard yourself, guard the church, guard your mouth. On Tuesday morning prayer, it's at 6.30 now. Eh, only the strong will survive, 6.30. <laughs> but there's a time where we take, where we sanctify, our, sanctify ourselves. We pay for our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mouths, and our hearts. And it may seem like a simple thing to do, but when you're saying, Lord, come in here and talk to me about what I'm doing and how I'm living, I want to guard against those things. I don't want to let them infiltrate how I'm living my life, what I'm doing for you. When I say to you, I love the Lord, I learned how to tithe a long time ago, so I don't think about tithing. I learned to give offerings a long time ago. I don't think about that. But if those are things he wants you to think about, whatever it might be, allow him into your life during that prayer time where you take that time to meditate, meditate about what he wants to do, how he might want to change your life. I love you guys. I mean that from the bottom of my heart too. I love you. I want God's best for you. I really, really, really do. I want you to come to a place where you can say, I've been saved over 50 years. <laughs> over 50 years. And I want you to remember what my grandfather said. I know that I know that I know that I know God is real. He's coming back for me. He's going to take me into glory with him. I am his child, and until that time, I am more than persuaded that God is able to keep me, to keep you, all of us, until the day of his returning. God bless you. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, so good. My favorite part is... I don't know if it is the last time. Come on, let me invite you to stand. We want to thank Esther and Ernie. And I'm so glad I took your notes. I said to her, you're a mama of the house. Just speak to our hearts. Let me invite you to raise your hands as high as it can go. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the beautiful friendship and companionship of His Holy Spirit. Be with every single one of you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine His countenance, His face of radiant acceptance and joy over you 
And may God give you peace. Be blessed, church. Be blessed. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next weekend.